What to look for in 2024? You know, I think so many times when we preach a New Year's type message, we think of the word goals. Goals come to mind, and I decided not to use the word goals this year because we are famous for making goals and then we fail, right? But I, feel, I tell you, tonight, this year, this morning, I want to give you a challenge to look for some things in 2024. And there's three things that I think you can find from this chapter and the chapter before that we can look for in 2024. And I appreciate Piper getting those nice, beautiful sunglasses on the beach there. And uh, he always brings that tropical sun to us. Of course, this warm weather's finally gone. It's good on Missouri cold weather now. We praise the Lord for that. When you think about the subject here at Matter, it's, it's, it's easy to look for something when you are spiritually awake. Spiritually awake. Now, I've asked this question before in our church, and there's a, always a mixed response. And how many of you love sleep? You think sleep is wonderful? My wife loves sleep. She has teased about sleeping in heaven. And I said, you won't have to sleep in heaven. She goes, I think that God loves me enough. He's going to let me sleep just because I want to sleep in heaven. And uh, I, I think sleep's overrated. I feel like we could get so much more done if we didn't sleep. How many of you are with me on that? But we understand that we need physical sleep. Everybody knows that. We have to have physical sleep. Or we'll eventually shut down, run down, get sick. We need rest. However, on the spiritual realm, I think the devil has used a new tactic. Instead of attacking the church head on, in America at least, he has slumbered us to sleep. He has rocked us to sleep. He's gotten us comfortable in our Christianity. And we never feel like our Christianity is threatened. You know, a person that is asleep really has no fear of anything. I mean, when a, when a person's sleeping peacefully, there's just there's no concerns going on. And all of a sudden you can wake up and noise can wake you up. And then you get scared. But in the midst of sleep, and time goes by fast when you sleep. As one that has traveled many, many miles through my years, uh, taking little children, they're older now, so it's different, but when they were little, it was nice driving all night long because they would sleep all night. In the daytime, their bladder's the size of a pea, but at nighttime, their bladder's the size of the state of Texas, and that's just the way it is. And I've tried to figure that out for years. I can't scientifically figure that out, but that's just the way it is. But I want to challenge you today not to fall asleep in what could be the most exciting year in the history of mankind. And the way to stay awake is to, is to make sure you're looking for things. A hunter gets into his tree stand and early in the morning and weathers the cold weather and gets on his gear and makes sure his rifle is ready. And he doesn't want to fall asleep because he might miss that trophy buck that is lurking about. So he looks with anticipation. He looks for things. Anything that moves all of a sudden, he'll put that scope on it to make sure it's, it's, a, it's not a person or something, or make sure that's that buck that's far away. Or, and and they, they, there's an anticipation there. They're looking for something. A child on Christmas morning looks for that present. They open presents, but there's that one they look for in the spirit of anticipation. And so let me give you three quick things today that we can look for in 2024, and I'll be done. Number one, continue to look for signs. Continue to look for signs. Now, here's what Paul said. He makes an he makes an assumptive statement here because he's saying in this statement, I don't have to delve into this because you know exactly what I'm talking about. And here's what he says in verse 1. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. What a statement. And by the way, Paul wrote this 2,000 years ago. He wrote that statement 2,000 years ago when we, he was not seeing what we're seeing in the world today. I mean, 2,000 years ago, he's saying, even back then he was saying there were some signs of the times. And may I say to you today, my friend, if you pick up any newspaper anywhere in America or even globally, you practically can look in through the newspaper every day and find biblical signs coming to fruition right before our eyes. 
the signs of the times. I mean, what happened in Israel this past October? What's happened in the political realm of this world? What's happening in Russia and Ukraine and China and many parts of this globe? If you halfway pay attention, you know something is stirring, something is brewing, and something ought to have the average Christian awake and saying, wait a minute now, we better pay attention something, something, something's about to come out of that stove, stove that oven. Something's going to come out of that oven. We, we are living in interesting days, my friend, very interesting days. Number one, look for the signs. Continue to look for them. And there's nothing wrong with that. I like looking for signs and matching them up with biblical principles. But number two, I want to spend more time on two and three. Number two, continue to look for the scriptures. Look for the scriptures. Now let me, let me explain to you something I think today that many of us don't take, that we take for granted we gave this out to you because I want to challenge you. It's accountability. It's a good thing for us as a church to read. But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, you hear you learn some things about what's coming, about the end. It says, but at the times of the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord shall come as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction come upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye brethren are not in darkness, that the day shall overtake you as a thief. You are all the children of the light and the children of the day. We are not of the night or the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as you others. But let us watch and be sober. Now, what did we just read that from? It's not a trick question. What did we just read that from? What did we just read that from? God told us some things in that passage, right? Now, let me, let me, let me share with you an interesting thought here. I read an article recently on the concept of oversupplementation. Oversupplementation. You say, what does that mean, oversupplementation? Did you realize that God intended for all of us to get our proper nourishment from the foods that he created for us? We're supposed to be nourishly satisfied with all the minerals and vitamins and amino acids and everything that we need by eating beef, fish, chicken, fruits, and vegetables. That's what we're supposed to eat. And for years, that's what people ate, and they got by just fine, right? But junk food came along. Processed foods came along. And people making this statement is almost an oxymoron. I love it when people say it, and I've said it before, I love junk food. Now think about that statement. Do you realize that the word junk is in that statement? And yet we say it all the time, I love junk food. Now watch this, don't miss this now, I'm going somewhere with this, okay? Now, would you like to know when supplements began in the United States of America? The first release of vitamin, extra vitamin you would take, didn't happen until the 1920s in the United States of America. Now you can't go to Instagram or any social media without someone telling you that she legit's going to make you feel like you're 25 years old or CMOS is going to change your life or you take this supplement or take that supplement and don't misunderstand me, I'm not against all those supplements and maybe supplementation is good because our diet is not what it was 100 years ago. It's just not. All the processed foods and, and the pollution and the contaminants, you say, where are you going with this? Are you preaching a health nut message? Hello? No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm going to work on it in 2024. You said you said that last year. I'm saying it again this year. All right? But I'm going somewhere with this. Don't miss this now. 123 years ago, in 1900, when a preacher preached a Bible message in his church, the people had nothing to go home to to find out to get that supplementation from anything else except maybe a book. But now there's over-supplementation in Christianity. What do you mean? Some guy watched one movie on Jesus. And he's a 45-year-old man. And he sits in his mama's basement. And now he's got a TikTok page. And he's become the foremost expert on Jesus. And people will listen to this guy in a basement who watched one movie about Jesus. 
And then when someone preaches the Bible about Jesus, they'll say that's wrong because the supplements have now taken precedence over the original source. I'm not, I'm not against uh, podcasts, but it seems like there's, there are a dime a dozen nowadays. And we have a whole lot of people sitting around microphones who, again, have dabbled in Christianity, but very rarely do they stay true to the principles and oracles of God's word, and they all of a sudden become the voice piece, the mouthpiece, the voice of, of Christianity, and people then begin to compete against biblical preaching. You say, well, give me some more proof, preacher. Okay, how about this? What were Paul's last words in the Bible? In 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul said, this know also that perilous times shall come. When? In the last days. He said that in that verse. And then he begins to talk about how men will be lovers of themselves more than lovers of pleasure of God. He talks about how children will be disobedient and unthankful, and, and there's a whole long list there. But in chapter 4, Paul's last words to Timothy are this. You ready for this? Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Why? For the time will come... When they shall heap to themselves, heap, 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 over supplementation, heap to themselves teachers having itching ears and they will not endure sound doctrine. That's what the Bible teaches you. So Paul is saying here, in the midst of all this craziness, there's nothing wrong with getting some supplements. I listen to stuff like that sometimes. I get it, but let me tell you something right now. Ain't nothing going to take the place of this book right here. In fact, you know what? I've become so familiar with this book that I can usually detect falsities when someone, because someone says it on a podcast or on a radio broadcast or on some reel. And yet people are basing their Christianity. Brother Bedwell sent me a powerful thing last night that said if the West loses Christianity, we're going to lose our foundations. Well, you know what? You know how you take Christianity out of the West? You take the Word of God out of it because this is our foundation. This is where we learn of Jesus. You want to learn about the real Jesus? How about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? I said, how about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? I'm not against watching a little movie or a documentary about Jesus, but you better make sure you learn the real Jesus from this book right here. You better make sure you understand that the word of God is the truth, and it's from God. It didn't go through some, some filter. It didn't go through some, some ghostwriter. These are the words of God. God gave them to us. God taught them to us. And God says, in this generation, somebody's got to stand up and preach the word. Preach the word. He does not say anything bad about teaching in there. Teaching is necessary. I'm for teaching. I love teaching. But we've become unbalanced in America today. And we've become so, so obsessed with all the supplements of Christianity that we've gotten away from God's original source of Christianity. <clears throat> Nothing still beats a steak if you want protein. You can drink all the protein powder you want, but even scientists will say today, nothing beats a grass-fed beef cattle who sacrifices life for your plate. You want to get some vitamins and minerals and nutrients? Broccoli is still a great source. Can I get an amen right there? Green beans are a great source. Salads are a great source. You want some healthy natural carbs? Apples, bananas, blueberries. And yet we don't want to eat all that stuff. We want to eat a Snickers bar like my dog did the other day and take a supplement to offset the Snickers bar. Can I get an amen right there? And that's exactly what Christianity is doing today. We have allowed the word of God to be slowly replaced, or shall I say displaced, 
by the supplementation that comes out of the mind of man because he says, you know what? This Christian thing sounds good. It should benefit me and should benefit somebody else. And so now I'm going to stake my whole doctrine, my whole belief system on some podcast, on some teacher, on some televangelist preacher when God says it's the word of God is what you need. It's the word of God. Preach the word, Timothy. Preach the word, Timothy. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but they shall heap, 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 heap to themselves. Teachers having itching ears, keep telling me what I want to hear. Keep making me feel good. Don't hurt my feelings. That's not what the Word of God says. The Word of God sometimes will shake you up. The Word of God sometimes will convict you. But thank God it'll comfort you. Thank God it'll exhort you. There's a balance. But we've got to stay in the Word of God. Look for the Scriptures. <clears throat> this time last year, if you'd have told me what my 2023 would have turned out to be, I would have probably said... I don't know if I'd be ready for that. I lost my dad. I had a 25-year milestone in the ministry. I had my two kids go to college. And those are just a few things that happened. A lot of people say changes like that can devastate people, right? Can I tell you something today? You know how your pastor stands here today with joy in his heart and hope? Because every day I read this book. The day my dad died, I read this book. The day I had my 25th anniversary, I read this book. The day people criticized me and hated me, I read this book. The day somebody said they loved me, I read this book. When it was raining outside, I read this book. When the sunshine was out, I read this book. When my money, my monies in the bank account looked really good, I read this book. And when there was times it was low, I read this book. There's something about getting in the Word of God every day every part of your life that will transform your spiritual health. And the supplements are just cherries on top. But my friend today, may I challenge you to, if there's, any, if there's nothing else you get out of this message today, make sure you read the Bible every day this next year, starting tomorrow. We just gave you something to help you with it. I mean, it's on our phones nowadays. There's no excuse. You say, I don't have time? Come on now. Everybody's got time to spend some time in the Bible. We eat every day. We, we dress up every day. We sleep every day. We watch television every day. We scroll every day. We post every day. We fight on Facebook every day. Then bless God, we ought to be able to read some more of God. And by the way, maybe if we read the God Word of God more, we won't fight so much on Facebook. It's amazing. Sometimes all you got to do is quote the Word of God. Let the Word of God take care of everything. It doesn't need to defend itself. It doesn't need to fight battles. It is what it is. Number one, look for the signs. Number two, look for the scriptures. Number three, and I'm done with this one. Look for the Savior. Look for the Savior. I just asked teen class a question I'm going to ask you today. And I want you to really heavily consider this question today. If you look there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, back up just a few verses here, and I'm, I'm just about through. We're doing good on time. The Bible says in verse number 16, here's what the Bible says. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Next week we introduce you our theme, and you'll see why we're, where we're going with this. I'm going to be talking a lot about Jesus coming. I feel like the devil has masked that. If you notice, Hollywood's become very intrigued with aliens nowadays, and UFOs, and zombies, and all those things are going to help explain away the rapture that's coming. 
And I'm telling you, there's some things I won't share with you from this pulpit because you're going to think I'm kooky and stuff, but I'm telling you, there's some crazy stuff out there going on. I'm not one of those conspiracy theorists, but I will tell you this. There is definitely a conspiracy headed up by Satan himself to disband Christianity in these last days because Satan himself knows how desperate his time is. He knows Jesus is coming anytime, and this world is literally going through birth pangs, if you will, and we are seeing some incredible things happen, and the Bible is being fulfilled right before our eyes. Brett Biddle said it a few weeks ago in testimony time. He said most Christians in history would give their right arm to be alive today to see what we're seeing unfold, and church, be careful. Don't stick your head in the sand. Don't fall asleep. You're about to see some of the most exciting things happen in the history of mankind. But in the midst of all that, look for the Savior. Look for the Savior. Here's the question I asked the teens. Look at this real quickly. Look at verse, 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 verse 5. Verse 2, here's what he says. For yourselves. Who's he talking to? Christians, saved people. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord shall come as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then some of the sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman child, and they shall not escape. There's the day of the Lord. You preacher, are you, are you talking about the end of the world? Yes. And, and you know what? People get spooked out by that. The most famous political comment, or the most famous podcast commentator in the world right now is a man named Joe Rogan. When Israel got attacked on October 7th, Joe Rogan said this. I heard it with my own ears. He said, when Israel got attacked, he goes, I found myself not being able to sleep for a whole week because I'm scared of what's happening in this world. That's what Joe Rogan said. You say, were you scared? Did you lose sleep? No, because I read the book and God said it's going to happen. We're living in interesting days. Don't look at me like an Amish man in the Best Buy. Come on, help me now. We're talking about some real stuff today, church. But in the midst of that, get excited because you can look for the Savior today. And here's the question I ask the teens. What if? What? Mm, teens know where I'm going with this, right? Teenagers, who's going to help me out? Come on, teenager. Who wants to stand up and tell them what I said? What if? What if we lived every day like what? Help me, teenager. Come on, some teenager, help me out. Go ahead, Austin. Tell me, what is it? What if we lived every day like Jesus was coming back that day? Could you imagine what that would do to your life? You say, well, preacher, what if it's December 31st, 2024, and he hasn't come back? I got a question for you after that. Did it hurt you to live like Jesus might come back every day for the whole 360 days of 2024 if you live that way? What would it do to your marriage? What would it do to your children? What would it do to your faith? What would it do to your Bible? What would it do to your prayer life? What would it do to your spiritual makeup? What would it do to your whole outlook on life if you lived every day as if Jesus was coming back that day? You say, preacher, now you're starting to spook me. No, no, I'm talking Bible right now because that's how we're supposed to live. I'll prove it to you, and I'll close with this. Go to John chapter 21. Everybody okay? Y'all looking like you can go. Just drink some NyQuil this afternoon to help you out a little bit. I'm sorry, Revelation 22, Revelation 22, verse 20 and 21, sorry. I got my verse and chapter switched. So Paul's last words to Timothy were, preach the word, do the work of an evangelist. That's what Paul's last words to Timothy. John's last words and the last, very last words of the Bible are this. Verse 21 says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all, amen. Great verse, love it. But look at verse 20. He which testifieth these things saith, if you have a red letter edition, the Bible says in red print, surely I come quickly, that's Jesus talking. Watch what John says. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. 
What if we woke up tomorrow morning, January 1st, 2024, and the first thing in our minds is, Lord, would you come today? And if you do, make me ready. Say, what if he doesn't? Then you do the same thing on January 2nd. You do the same thing, same thing. I wonder what it would do to this church if we woke up every day asking that question. I wonder what it would do to our families if we woke up asking that question. I wonder what it would do with our outlook on life. I wonder if all of a sudden our complaining would start to go away, if all of a sudden our, our negativity would start to fade away, if we lived with the spirit of anticipation that Jesus might come back today. You do understand today, and I'm closing with this off. He could come today. There's nothing left biblically that's keeping him from coming to this earth. I mean, meeting us in the air, the rapture and the second. You'll, you'll hear more about it, rapture, second coming. That's all later. There's nothing left in the Bible that needs to be done for Jesus to come get us. It, it can happen any moment. Maybe it's his mercy. Maybe it's his long suffering. Maybe he just wants to hang on a little bit longer. I don't know. Maybe he does want some of you single ladies to get, get married. I don't want the rapture to happen. I want to get married first. That's what I hear sometimes, right? Listen to me. Listen to me. Jesus is coming. What do I look for in 2024? What do I look for? What do I look for? Number one, look for signs. Number two, keep looking for the scriptures. Keep looking in them, looking for them. Study them, absorb them, read them, study them every single day. Make sure you're in the Bible every day. This, this chart, at the most, for a slow reader, will take you 15 minutes a day to read through those verse chapters. Now, now, Psalm 119, okay, different day. That's for later, but I mean, stay with me now. And then finally, look for Jesus. Look for Jesus. What to look for in 2024. Had your bad eyes are closed. Thank you for listening so well. Ask me why I believe like I do, why I'm so convinced that the Bible is true. I'm here to tell you it's only because I've come through enough to see what faith does. Faith sees the invisible, believes the impossible, receives the incredible, no matter what was. Faith moves the unmovable, proves the unprovable for anyone willing to trust. Believe and you'll see what faith does. If there's a mountain that stands in your way from all you can see, it will be there to stay. God said with the faith of a small mustard seed, that mountain will move. Believe and you'll see. Faith sees the invisible, believes the impossible, receives the incredible. No matter what was, faith moves the unmovable, proves the unprovable for anyone willing to trust. Believe and you'll see what faith does. Faith sees the invisible, believes the impossible, receives the incredible, no matter what was. Faith moves the unmovable, proves the unprovable for any.
see what faith does. You'll see what faith does. Believe and you'll see what faith does. in his hands who has numbered every grain of sand kings and nations tremble at his voice all creation rises to
It's not just about the manger where the baby lay. It's not all about the angels who sang for him that day. It's not all about the shepherds or the bright and shining star. It's not all about the wise men who traveled from afar. It's about the cross. It's about my sin. It's about how Jesus came to be born once so that we could be born again. It's about the stone that was rolled away so that you and I could have real life someday. It's about the cross. It's not just about the good things in this life I've done. It's not all about the treasures or the trophies that I've won. It's not about the righteousness that I find within. It's all about his precious blood that saved me from my sin. It's about the cross. It's about my sin. It's about how Jesus came to be born once so that we could be born again. It's about the stone that was It's about the cross, it's about my sin, it's about how Jesus came to be born once so that we could be born again. It's about God's Son nailed to a tree, it's about how every drop of blood that flowed from him when it should have been me, it's about the stone that was rolled away. It's about the cross. It's about the cross. It's about the cross. It's about the 